Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Whitham. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I am so excited you're here. I'm your co-host, Megan Rawlings, joined with my awesome co-host... Kevin Witham, and it's good to be back with you once again for another great conversation. Uh, We have the philosophy that unity begins with a cup of coffee, sitting down and building a relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ and having not only uh, spiritual conversations, but sometimes uh, difficult conversations, but doing it in love with the spirit of Christ and his John 17 prayer in mind. We have two great guests back with us. Uh, today. They were with us at our last podcast. Bobby Harrington is the point leader of Renew.org, and we didn't say much about Discipleship.org, another great website with resources. And Jason Henderson uh, is with us as well, and they work together in Renew.org. You can go back and listen to last week's uh, podcast for a longer introduction to both of these brothers in Christ, but uh, both are committed to Um, resources that will strengthen our faith, strengthen our walk with Jesus, strengthen our understanding of the word, uh, discipleship. And uh, so we're glad to have them as a part of this conversation. Um, Guys, good to have you back with us. Thank you for joining us. Great to be with you. Our pleasure. Guys, you both wrote a uh, small book for Renew called Conviction and Civility. Thinking and communicating clearly about what the Bible teaches. Love that. Could you give us an overview of the main message and maybe like a couple of the top three points within this book? Sure, I'll jump in. So at Renew.org, uh, we, um, we, our, our, our mission is to renew the teachings of Jesus to fuel disciple making. That's how we put it. Now, we want to renew, that is, we want to celebrate and champion good biblical theology, the teachings of Jesus. That's the entire uh, canon of scripture um, because Jesus taught all of it. And, um, and for disciple making, we believe Jesus's great commission is the greatest mission on earth. So uh, we do that by helping uh, disciple makers, church leaders, lay people, everyday disciple makers, kind of uh, head down the middle of this highway that has two gutters. We mentioned this last week, um, and that is the gutter of traditionalism and legalism and the gutter of progressivism. We believe going too far in either direction is not a good thing and not good for the future of our church and our tradition. Um, and so what we talk about in this book is how do we talk about that? How do we talk to others about our biblical convictions in a way that stops short of getting uh, legalistic and uh, sectarian? And yet, how do we stay culturally relevant in a way that wins hearing, that is winsome? And uh, probably the three points that, uh, that help, the paradigm that we unpack in the book, is um, these three concentric circles or nesting buckets. Uh, but basically, there's a center ring 
that is essential. There's a next outer ring that is important and the next outer ring is personal. And those are the levels of beliefs or convictions. Uh, sometimes we say there are things written in blood, things written in ink, or things written in pencil. So those are the convictions or beliefs, the, the doctrine that we get out of scripture, the hills that you want to die on, that we need to unite around, actually things that in some ways you want to be legal about, the things that are just important that we will work better as church communities and church bodies if we align around um, so that we can be effective. And then the things that are personal, things that really um, uh, in, in the larger scheme of things, we don't need to uh, uh, cause uh, disunity over. Uh, we don't need to separate over, uh, but there are personal convictions and, um, and, and, and we, we'll probably find out later that they didn't matter. Well, that, that sounds like a great conversation and really important things to be talking about for restoration movement people, because we have always, always wrestled with what are the, what are the essentials and, and what are the opinions where we can see things differently? So, well, I look forward to exploring that further. Bobby, in chapter one, uh, you write about an encounter you had with Dallas Willard. Could you share about that experience and just kind of briefly summarize the four ideas or, or elements that emerged from that experience? Well, <clears throat> let me just uh, tell you about Dallas Willard first, and uh, we, we can kind of walk through them. Um, I, of course, like many people, uh, really liked a lot of what Dallas Willard wrote. He's been one of the clearest thinkers. He's actually one of the clearest thinkers on discipleship and disciple making. He's one of the guys that challenged us at Renew to have a theology of disciple making. Uh, he advocated that in North America, well, and really around the world, there wasn't a clear theology of disciple making. Uh, since his, his uh, uh, death, you've had guys like Scott McKnight, uh, Matthew Bates, uh, Bill Hull, and uh, we've been working on it along with folks at Renew. In fact, our upcoming theology uh, book that will be released in November, Real Life Theology, really tries to address the things that Dallas Willard was getting at. Anyway, we met that night, and I'd known him and uh, really enjoyed talking to him. It was actually at Samford Divinity School. Uh, myself and a friend, we went down there. And um, one of the things that just stood out to me is how careful uh, Dallas Willard was about how he thought about things. And uh, as we talked, he communicated that, um, you know, he was asking questions to understand. And uh, the, the things that come out of it uh, for us were, first of all, you can have conviction and still be civil. Let, let's come back to that. Uh, secondly, you want to have in dialogue a relational basis. Like, it's hard when you're having a cup of coffee to attribute false motives to the person you're looking eyeball to eyeball. That does not, however, eliminate the need for critical thinking which is rapidly disappearing, we can talk about that, and nuance. In fact, at Renew, just to raise the flag for everybody to know, we champion nuance. 
we think it's super important not to overstate or understate because um, it's in the nuance that a lot of people are making decisions. And so we think those four things are important. Hey, by the way, can I can I pause before we jump further on that? I wanted to say something that we challenge at Renew. And uh, I want to describe it to you. It, it comes from Philip Melanchthon, who was uh, Martin Luther's friend. And they had this statement that a lot of people use uh, in uh, doctrine unity or in essentials unity, in opinions liberty, and in all things love. And I just want to say that that's a really bad statement today. And the reason it's a bad statement today is it only gives two categories. It's either essential or it's opinion. And what's happening is a lot of people are saying, hey, it's not essential for my salvation, so it really doesn't matter. And what that leads to is really fuzzy thinking and bad theology and bad practice. I'll give you a classic example. Uh, I uh, was meeting with somebody about uh, joining our staff, and we were talking about women elders, and we just believe Scripture doesn't teach that. And uh, we sat down with this person, and uh, she acknowledged that there are two points of view, the uh, complementary point of view, and uh, Renew, by the way, were soft complementarians, and the egalitarian point of view. And uh, she pointed out that there's really good people and really good scholars on both sides, therefore it doesn't matter. And we should just all get along. Because in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, and in all things love. And uh, we, we think that, number one, you actually don't find that in Scripture. There are things where the Apostle Paul says, look, your salvation doesn't depend on this, but the health of the church might. And a matter of holiness and faithfulness might be at stake here. So stick to your grounds. So we like the idea that uh, of, of championing some things are essential, some are important, and some are personal or disputable. So I, I just had to add that. That's a good side note. I appreciate that addition. When we start saying something is a salvation issue, then we start getting at the gospel itself, which is salvation. And uh, there are a lot of important things that aren't necessarily the gospel, but they flow out of the gospel, the gospel living. So appreciate that. Yeah, that's right. Bobby, continue with that. You, you said you were going to come back to a little bit regarding conviction, holding conviction and being civil. Why do, you, why do you think we've lost that ability so much today? And, and how do we regain that among at least God's people? You know, it's a really strange thing in some ways to me. So 20 years ago, um, there was a real cultural emphasis on acceptance and tolerance. And it used to be that everybody championed it, especially on the left. You know, tolerance and understanding a classic liberal was somebody who, you know, really believed that uh, uh, respecting the opinions of others was really important. Our culture is largely losing that. And I think there's a, a multiplicity of factors that are going on. One of them is we're fighting over narratives now. We're fighting over whose story of reality is the right one. 
And um, I don't have to know all the answers to know what you're saying doesn't fit my story. And you've got the narrative or the story on the, uh, the Christian right or the political right. They might be similar but different, but they're stories. Then you've got the story on the left, which more and more, it's kind of a Marxist uh, critical theory, postmodern thing. And then you have the progressive theology that's kind of buying into that narrative. And so what we have now is we're not arguing the, the specifics or the facts. It's battles over narratives. And we've lost uh, a focus on critical thinking. And uh, part of that, we can add this into the mix. In a postmodern world, you actually don't believe there is truth. And if you don't believe that there is truth that can be known, if everything is ultimately relative, then it becomes battles over power and control. And uh, fuzzy thinking is okay because uh, the key thing is you just want to be nice. And so it's a cultural milieu that um, makes it much more difficult than it used to be. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'm trying. You, you are. You are. And that really gets at the heart of Jesus. Grace and truth show great love. But, man, he was very, very clear in what he had to say and and uh, appreciate that. Um, in Chapter 2, you write in this short book that we present a path of engagement based on two key perspectives. First is the path of convicted civility. Sorry, We believe that people will be willing to listen to what we say if we present our ideas in a civil and relational manner while communicating convictions in a substantive and nuanced way. Could you unpack some of the thinking behind this statement? Go for it, Jason. Uh, sure. Um, so, yeah, we present our ideas in a civil and relational manner. Um while communicating convictions in a substantive and nuanced way. So let me give you just, uh, just a real world example. One of, one of our partners that have really uh, taught me this in terms of giving a lot of good narratives of real world examples is somebody you guys might be familiar with, Guy Hammond from a, a ministry called Strength and Weakness. Um, Guy is a same-sex attracted man who's living uh, in a... Um, in a, in a marriage between himself and a woman. And he's got a great family that God's blessed him with. And he has started a ministry where he tries to reach out to other Christians that might struggle with same-sex attraction or other uh, gender dysphoria, confusion issues. Um, and, you know, I probably uh, at one point was super convicted and came at um, those types of issues uh, from maybe... Um, maybe a very, what, what may have even been a secular uh, conservative view, which is to say, um, man, you're not going to put regulations on me. You're not going to make me accept that. And yet I would call myself an inclusive person. So let me, let me, under, let me tell you what Guy and his ministry has taught me. Um, we we want to be convicted and we want to say, hey, there's behaviors and there's choices that we can't agree with because God told us that that's not how he created us to thrive. And so we need to stand by that. At the same time, uh, we need to uh, love others and we need to try and win uh, a hearing of the gospel 
so that everybody has a chance to become a disciple, to trust and follow Jesus. And we can't do that if you're going to start the relationship with a stiff arm and not accept somebody as a creation of the creator, um, even if you don't uh, acknowledge, accept, and celebrate uh, their choices. Um, And so um, to me, that's a great example of how you can um, civilly, and by the way, uh, somebody's biggest sin, something else that um, I learned from Guy, somebody's biggest sin doesn't have to be the one you tackle first. Uh, we all c- came to Christ with a lot of baggage and we didn't unpack it all at the same time. Um, so it, there's a way we can approach people, even when it seems very obvious that we disagree, in a way that we can stick to our guns yet be civil, that we can create bridges and relationship and accept them as a person that deserves respect as a child of God, um, and yet um, be nuanced in a way that we can state what we believe without overstating, um, and yet not, uh, not also not uh, back away or shy away from what we believe is true. I hope that helps. Absolutely, Jason. Thank you for that. Over in chapter four, and, and Bobby, you've alluded to this, a bit earlier, talking about critical thinking. Um, th- there's a chapter entitled Hone Your Critical Thinking, which I think would be a great chapter because nobody seems to be teaching critical thinking any longer like that's, we once did in America. That's so true. Can you speak to the need for Christians, especially in the Stone Campbell movement, to grow in this area of critical thinking? And what are some things in the chapter that, that can help folks? Um, Well, let me just talk uh, why I think everybody needs to grow in critical thinking and why um, just as human beings, we want to really focus on it when, uh, well, first of all, part of approaching the Bible is the presupposition that we can come to understand what it says, believe it and obey it. So one of the classic scriptures for us uh, in in the in the heritage of those who really care about scripture is uh, in Acts 17 with the Bereans. It says the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. Now to do that to determine truth from falsehood, you know, it takes critical reasoning. Um, if you're a medical uh, doctor, you want to have critical thinking about the illnesses and biological problems that your patient might have. Critical thinking is super important there. We talk about the hard sciences, you know, engineering, uh, technology, where critical thinking is so important. What's so strange is when we switch now to history. Uh, when we switch to psychology, when we switch to political science, there is not a pursuit of what's true, but rather which narrative gets the best support. And on the one hand, we would never want a doctor doing that. But on the other hand, we're very much at home when our uh, psychologists and historians and uh, others do it. Like nationally, there's this big debate. 
was America really founded in 1776 or was it 1619? And right now there's a lot of pressure to just accept a narrative rather than to critically say what's really true. So having said that, I think the first thing we have to decide is, you know, are we really going to be truth oriented? When, when, when uh, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love God properly means that I've got to really uh, want to love him with my mind, and that includes really truth-seeking, to really ask what's really true and right. And so um, I just want to advocate for it and that we really be honest in as a practice about what's true and right in every area and make that a personal priority because at the end of the day, uh, the consequences of not doing that are, are really bad. I remember years ago, after I first became a disciple of Jesus, we went to see the movie Reds, and it was, came out like in 1980. So I hadn't been following Jesus very long. And I remember there's this scene where they're in uh, Azerbaijan or Uzbekistan, and uh, they're speaking to a crowd. Warren Beatty was the main actor. And uh, somebody gets up and they're trying to get all these people, in this case, there were Muslims, to support communism. And the guy got up and he said all this stuff. And uh, Warren Beatty found out, well, what that guy said wasn't true. Yeah, they were getting people to support communism, but it wasn't true. And the guy turned to him and said, who determines truth, you or the party? And we're rapidly descending into a world where truth is determined by by interest groups, be they political or social, truth is not determined by what's really truly true. And so we begin just as human beings saying, uh, this is the world God made, and we want to approach Scripture uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit and in prayer, but we want to know what's really true. Yeah, we, uh, we have a Lord who said in his prayer, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We're, we're people who core to our faith is a belief that there are some things true and some things false, and we need to pursue and run after truth. Yeah, I think it's really important in discipling relationships. You know, we champion good theology, uh, but the context is, uh, relational disciple making. Jesus' method is intentional relational transformation. And so one of the things that we have to disciple people in is, you know, we really want to teach them how to approach scripture and learn what scripture says and how to uh, delineate what's true from what's not true. Mm. This book, you talk about the three buckets model. Could you tell us the idea behind this? Well, yeah, we try to help people to see that when you look at truth in the Bible, there's some things that are essential written in blood, some things that are important written in ink, and some things that are personal. And what really helps is I've, we've found over the years, uh, as we've taught this paradigm, that people coming out of a legalistic background really like it, and people coming out of atheism really like it. The people coming out of a legalistic background like it because everything was essential, from, you know, instrumental music to, 
you know, having communion every week, that was essential. Well, that's not true. But then uh, for uh, people coming out of an atheistic or seeker background, the Bible is very intimidating. And so to realize I don't have to get everything in the Bible right. There's at the center of it this thing called the gospel. And my eternal destiny depends on that. Oh, good. And so um, we just, we think it's embedded in scripture itself. Let me state it this way. It comes out of scripture itself. And also it's, uh, here's a word for you. It's epistemologically valid as well. Uh, But that's how we know what we know. And in all of our lives, there are things that are black and white. There are things that are pretty clear. And then there are things that are fuzzy. It's just part of the human predicament. So in chapter 10, uh, the chapter is entitled Final Thoughts. So I've got a couple of things in our final thoughts. You you both may have some things you'd like to say, and I want you to say them, but I've got a couple of things that I'd just like to uh, get from you. What do you see as the future of Renew.org? What are some of the projects in the pipeline? What do you what what do you envision kind of moving forward? Um, and then what are some of your final thoughts that you'd like to say to this listening audience uh, that could help and encourage them and access some of the things you guys are doing? Hey, I'm going to let Jason take the last part because he's always cleaning up my messes. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> let him do it. Let me let me tell you that that what I'm excited about I renew and we're just we're looking to God we're trusting God because from the beginning we've seen the hand of God in in this uh, movement even the expression renew um, we we really believe in the vision of going back to the Bible and renewing the teachings of Jesus renewing uh, uh, an emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit the way Jesus did renewing the Christianity of the Bible. Uh, renewing New Testament uh, norms for us today. And notice that word renew, uh, it's life, it's life-giving. And we found just as we prayed about it and God led us to it, it's better than restore or restoration movement because a lot of people have categories they want to put it in. And we see ourselves championing the best of the restoration movement but bringing uh, along with it a focus on the power of the Holy Spirit, disciple-making relationships. So as we move into the future, let me just tell you the six things we're focused on right now. First, we have a website, a world-class website, where um, the teachings of Jesus are upheld in a way uh, that targets uh, those who are millennials. And uh, we've got some killer good resources there every week. We send out a newsletter. We're really grateful about that. Number two, we are publishing materials. Uh, We have 12 books coming out this year, Real Life Theology. Uh, Each of the books are, I call them man books, so they're short books. Together, there'll be a collection that's a a systematic theology for serious everyday Christians. Um, We're also publishing uh, digital material. That's number two. Number three, we provide mentoring where we mentor especially church leaders in disciple-making and how they can shift their churches to disciple-making. And we we help them to focus not on the church because our partner, the Relational Discipleship Network, focuses on the churches. We try to help individual leaders be effective disciple-makers. 
Number four, we have learning communities. Right now, we have about 160 to 70 senior ministers in our learning communities sitting at the feet of people like Matthew Bates and David Young and Bill Hull, Jim Putman, and other leaders uh, for these trainings. Fifthly, we have gatherings. Uh, we have a national gathering November 3rd in the greater Nashville area where there's going to be a thousand people, uh, where we have approximately, you know, close to 20 speakers, men and women with really great stuff. And then the next phase for us that we're really leaning into is we want to plant churches. Mm. And so we're looking at planting churches uh, everywhere we can. Uh, we're pursuing a partnership with Passion for Planting and uh, in serious conversations about what would be called the Renew Movement, which is a church planting movement. Well, that's exciting stuff. Crazy. Hey, let me clarify. Let me let me clarify something. He mentioned that we've got twelve uh, theology books coming out. He called them man books. The reason we say that is because they're very short, easy reads. Do you know the statistics tell us seventy to eighty percent? And Megan, you'll like this being from the Bold Movement. Seventy to eighty percent of of all books are read by women, and the rest are led by church leader. Read by church <laughs> leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting stat. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> well, guys, it has been terrific to have both of you with us. And again, I want to say to those that are listening, you can go to renew.org and find uh, the resources there that we have been talking about. You can also find information about that meeting in Nashville. Do you guys have any plans for any meetings outside of uh, the Tennessee area? Anything out in California coming or anything like that where I'm where I'm set, seated right now? We don't have anything out west yet. Uh, we've got uh, we'll, we'll be a part of ICOM this year. We'll be part of a, a conference in Orlando called Equip. There's a few of them that will hit. Um, but uh, our big national gatherings, what we're really gearing up for. And thanks for mentioning the website, Renew.org, just to bring it back to what I know is near and dear to your all's heart and, and this book that we wrote, Conviction and Civility. Um, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be champion every day. Uh, literally every day we take one Sabbath day, but every day we, we present something fresh, relevant from the headlines. Um, something that's about conviction and civility and, and hopefully is a balanced message. Um, and, and you can find that, uh, on our website as well as some eBooks that you can download for free. Um, but, uh, hopefully we're helping people in unity. One of the things that you guys just reminded me of that, that kind of comes out of the book in that final thoughts section is uh, we, we caution people against defensiveness and we champion unity, but we find that the way that you can do that is by um, determining before the conversation's happening uh, the elements that are worth dividing over and why. And so uh, I think every day we're putting forward something that will help you understand uh, the kind of uh, tenets that we can all uh, lock arms around and the things that are essential to our faith that are worth uh, dividing over, that are hills we should be dying on. And if you want to uh, lock arms with uh, folks who uh, have done that, um, uh, come to our gathering November 3rd. Well, Bobby Harrington and Jason Henderson, it has just been a blessing to have this conversation with the two of you. Uh, 
my prayer is that uh, people listening in will have learned about some good resources and kind of places to go, as well as hearing your hearts. So thank you for being with us. Megan Rawlings, my co-host, she, she ends uh, this broadcast now with a very important question. So Megan, take it from here. All right, guys, I want you to mentally prepare because this is probably the most in-depth question that you've been asked in years. Are you ready for this? Yes. How, how do you take your coffee? Because Common Ground's unity is, you know, unity begins with a cup of coffee. So how do you take your coffee? I take mine black. Just black. Strong, weak. Blacks and, black and strong. Black and strong. And my favorite is Americano. Okay. I, I'm actually identical and with the added rule, no, no flavors of any sort, even if it's in the bean, it's got to be the way God intended. <laughs> it's got to be the pure fruit of the bean, right? That's right. <laughs> Love it. Well, guys, this has been a joy. We have um, had a blast talking to you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Kevin, as always. You're beautiful. Glad I got to see you today. Glad you got to see me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You you, like usually when we record these things, we're not seeing each other. Yeah. But uh, terrific to see you as well and these guys with us. If and you guys, our producer, John Teal. Yes. And if you guys like our podcast, hit that number five star. Give us a five star. A great review. If you don't like us, just avoid that section. Go ahead and hit subscribe. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.